0: If you got rid of the right and wrong, just said, okay, this is one thing, this is another thing. And so I think it takes a lot of that judgment away. And I think you're absolutely right. The judgment kills our ability to be vulnerable.
1: All right, I want to take a moment before we get into today's episode to make an announcement. I want to let you know that I'm taking applications right now for the Create Purpose Mastermind. An intimate mastermind group for aspiring seven figure creative female business owners who are looking to build their dream team. So, if that's you, go to createpurpose.net forward slash mastermind. Here's what it's going to look like if you decide to spend a year with me and this intimate mastermind. You know, when I was putting this together, I really was thinking about what are the outcomes that I want you to get as a result of spending a year in this group. Number one is I want you to discover your unique greatness because when you surround yourself with people who see you for who you are and are able to draw you back to your own greatness, so much can change. Number two, I want to help you master your inner game because everything in business starts with self-awareness of why things are the way they are because as soon as you become aware of that, you get to decide and make a choice to change it for the better. Number three, I want to see you lead with confidence. You know, because I fundamentally believe you already have everything you need. You don't need another guru to show you the way. And I want to see you build your dream team. And that's what you're ultimately going to be doing in this group is building a business around a team of people that no longer centers around you, the leader, but You now have a team where you now are able to free yourself up to be the true CEO and create a visionary of your business, ultimately to grow your business, make your business easier to manage, more profitable, and a lot more fun. So if you're an inspiring seven-figure creative female business owner who's wanting to build your dream team and grow your business, then please don't wait. There's only 12 seats available, so don't hesitate in getting your application in. What if this were to be your breakthrough year? And what if this mastermind is exactly what you need to really grow your business and bring your unique potential to life? To learn more, go to createpurpose.net forward slash mastermind. Let's get back into the show. So just before we get started, I just want to give a big thank you to everyone who's paused and left a review on Apple Podcast or just followed on Spotify. It means a lot to me. So thank you for doing that. And if you have enjoyed the podcast and you haven't reviewed it yet, take a moment and leave us a review. It just helps us get the message out. So today's guest is Frank Keck. He's located here in Kansas City. He's a leadership coach and author and speaker. He is an expert on vulnerability and really creating highly engaged teams. So if you're listening today and you lead a team on a daily basis, you're gonna get something from this podcast. We go deep in some very practical tools and approaches to build trust with our team and truly meet them where they're at so that we all can create the outcomes that we wanna see in the business. So without further ado, let's get right into the conversation. All right, well, welcome, Frank. Before we get too far into this, would you mind just introducing yourself to everyone? Good morning,
0: everybody. My name is Frank Keck. And I am a dad first, husband, I guess husband first. All right. Well, we can edit this out in editing. I'm, I'm a dad. I'm a father. I guess that's the same thing. I'm a husband, but I'm also a small business owner. I am a facilitator, speaker, author. So I've done a lot of different things. My Really, my passion Zach, as you and I have talked about before, is helping people to be real and vulnerable with themselves so they can be real and vulnerable with their people and just to create fulfillment in themselves and in their employees.
1: That's exactly what I want to dive into today. What's important to you personally about that? Because usually that desire to help someone else is birthed from an experience or something that through our own leadership experiences. And so what's important to you about that?
0: You know, my whole life, Zach, I've always had a gift for and really enjoyed making people laugh. And I could do it from a very early age. I do it to this day. I don't know how I make people laugh. I had somebody say, hey, can you teach me how to make people laugh? And I'm like, no, I, I have no idea how it happens. So, but I always enjoyed doing that. And so I told my dad when I was a kid, he said, what do you want to do when you grow up? And, you know, most people say, You know, I want to run a business or be a professional athlete or whatever it is. I said, I want to be a stand-up comic. And I think that shocked him. I don't think he really liked that idea. But that's what I always wanted to do. That's that's what got my juices flowing. And so I didn't do that professionally because I wasn't that funny. And I did a number of different jobs. And then I latched on to becoming a professional speaker. And what I quickly learned is in front of a group of people, I can make them laugh and teach them something at the same time. And I kind of found my niche. Well, so I started traveling around the country speaking and that type of thing and had a lot of success. But when I, I would always leave people better than I found them. I would always make them laugh. But after a while of doing that, it just, you want more. Right. And I wanted more depth. And I got married and my wife, Rachel, and I started kind of digging into ourselves and figuring out how can we be better people? How can we have a better relationship? We want to have kids. How do we make our kids the best they can be? You've got to have the right environment, right? Culture. And as Rachel and I started digging in and getting to know ourselves more and looking inside more, which had always been scary to me. It's like, well, I don't really want to look inside because you don't know what you're going to find. So I'll just cover it up, Mm -hmm. bury it, and then I don't have to deal with it. But it affects you every single day. And so as I started learning more about myself, what I learned is, you know, we typically like to teach the things that we're learning. And so I thought, man, this being open and vulnerable is really making my life richer. I want to start doing that in the classroom, you know, from the stage. And so I'll never forget it. The first time I tried it, it was with a client down in Texas and got in front of this group, started sharing some of my vulnerabilities about some things that I learned. And the next thing I know, other people in the audience are doing the same thing, right? They're sharing with themselves and they're being open and vulnerable. And I remember the head of the organization walked in kind of greet everybody and whatnot after we've been going. And he said, man, I don't know what's happened here today. I've never seen a group like this happen. Like I've never seen people have conversations like this, especially in a leadership class. And I realized, wow, the conversations these people are having, their ability to open up with each other far surpasses anything I've ever done just by making people laugh. And so it was like the best things I think I've done in life, professionally, a lot of them have happened as accidents, And it's like, oh, look what just happened. Well, that was pretty amazing. How do I repeat that? Let me go repeat that. And so from then on, it was like, you know, I want to help people open up and be vulnerable. And I want to learn how to do that more. And that was a really lengthy answer to your question. But I think it's just I saw how wonderful it can be. And not just for me, but I saw how it was impacting people's lives, And that is the best feeling, as you know, right? When you can impact those people and you
1: see their lives getting better in front of your eyes, man, there's no better feeling. Well, I love the story you just shared and that idea of vulnerability. You know, the vulnerability, oftentimes feedback, giving feedback comes to mind. So you have a team and a lot of the listeners, they're trying to lead a team and some of them maybe for the first time. And there's oftentimes things that are not working for the leader. And there comes this time where I need to give this other person on my team feedback. And I think there's two things that really block constructive feedback. One is I'm afraid that I'm going to hurt the other person's feeling. So I hold back and I'm not really saying what needs to be said so they hear what needs to be heard. And two, there's also this feeling like I don't want to upset them to where they leave. I mean, especially in the world we are today, the great resignation, like I can't lose these people. So it's normal for leaders to kind of feel like they're walking on eggshells when it comes to communicating. Let's talk about now vulnerability. What does a vulnerability approach to feedback look like?
0: I want to add one more thing to what you're saying. I think to give feedback, you know, a lot of times we'll give people criticism, right? We'll give them critical feedback. Well, that you just told them what they did wrong. I have found that That doesn't really help them get better. That's just reinforcing what you don't want them to do, which is not how the human brain works. But what I think has to happen and what I think a lot of people don't consciously know is I've got to be able to connect with you where you are. How do I figure out where you are? And I think that's what's causing the great resignation is because people are tired of dealing with bosses who don't know them who don't acknowledge them, right? I think that the key problem in the workforce today is people feel lonely, they feel unacknowledged, they feel unloved, they don't feel seen or heard. And so I think that's what feedback is, right? But what we grew up with is, well, feedback is, okay, you did nine things right, I'm gonna tell you about the 10th one, that's what you need to focus on. Well, we know through neuroscience, that's not how performance improvement is at its best. Right, It's okay. You did these nine things better. You did the 10th one. You didn't do that great. Let's find somebody else to do that one. Let's focus on helping you build on those nine that you did well. But it's understanding, okay, who is Zach? How do I connect to him? Right, Zach is an auditory learner. So what does that mean? It means he's very detail-oriented. That means when I say something, I've got to give him time at the end of the sentence for let, to let that information sink in. So I can't just kind of race through eight or nine points. And that's a lot of what I love to help people figure out is, okay, these people you're trying to connect with, how do you really understand who they are? How do you acknowledge them in a way that's meaningful to them? Because usually we're trying to do it all on our own wavelength, and that's where we fall flat. And so I think a huge piece of the vulnerability is realizing, oh, maybe I'm not so good at figuring out who you are and connecting on your wavelength. Maybe I need to get better at that. I think that's the first place it starts,
1: yeah, so step one is don't start with feedback. start with curiosity, yeah and and meeting them where they're at. and what are some easy ways to do that? Like how do you start that conversation? I think you just like that.
0: Hey, I want to meet you where you are. I want to know you. I want to understand you, right? as your boss, yeah, or superior, I don't like superior, right supervisor, whatever you call yourself. So my goal, my job is to help you be better, right? Perform better, live better, be more fulfilled. I can't do that if I don't understand you. So I really would like to understand you better. So, you know, what are some basic things that motivate you? Like, why do you work here? What do you love about your job? What do you hate about your job? And, you know, we're afraid to ask those questions because they might tell us and then we wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. Oh, well, they hate this one thing. Well, I don't know how to do it any differently, right? And so it's us not wanting to have to be uncomfortable. And so I think a huge piece of that vulnerability is realizing the only way that we're going to grow here is if we're uncomfortable. And so I'm going to ask the question, even though I may not have the answer, just being the supervisor or the boss doesn't mean you have all the answers, but I think it just starts from saying, hey, I want to help you as a human being. I want to get to know you. So what's important to you, right? Start with why, as Simon Sinek says.
1: Yeah, it's as as simple as what's working for you and what's not working for you and having a conversation around that. Absolutely. And there's a spirit behind all of those questions. It's not a, what questions should I be asking? There's just this spirit of curiosity, of genuine interest. And I think that even further back is get yourself to a spot of genuinely interested in where that other person's at. Because now you're going to naturally ask curiosity-based questions, and you're going to be kind of on the edge of your seat, ready to hear what they have to say. And it's going to create a whole tone for the conversation. So I love that. And so what's your experience been with leadership teams? Because, you know, common sense isn't always common practice. This makes sense as we're talking about it. And I imagine listeners like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But what makes it so hard? Because it's not normal to just naturally do that. At least it hasn't been in my career. I can think back of being vulnerable, being open, being curious. Hasn't been the first place I usually go in those leadership scenarios in the past. So what makes it so hard?
0: So go back to school. When you went to take a test, how many right answers were there for every question?
1: Only one, wasn't there?
0: Yeah. And if you were like me, the answer I came up with wasn't usually the one the teacher was looking for. So the teacher would tell you, you're wrong. And so what happens after you do that four or 500 times in school? You become gun shy. Right? Right. But you're conditioned that there's only one right answer and you've got to find the answer that that other person's looking for. So we're conditioned to not want to take chances because as human beings, we don't want to be wrong because there's shame put on that. When really what we should be doing is saying, hey, you were wrong. Congratulations. Let's figure out how you got to where you got to. Let's figure out how we need to improve that because that's how human beings learn. So I, I think from a very early age, we're conditioned to not wanting to be wrong. And that's exactly where it has to start is by saying being wrong is not bad. Yeah. Right. And I think in our society, being wrong is bad. You made a mistake. Right. I'm going to whip you. I'm going to chastise you. I'm going to coach you. Right. And so it's just more reinforcing the negative. So people don't want to take. And that's why, you know, the great resignation, as you talked about, people are tired of that. But the companies and the leaders that are saying, hey, you did this well, let's build on that. Right. Hey, I made a mistake. Let's build on that. And so they look at when you do something and you don't get the results you want. That's not failure. That's not defeat. It's maybe not even a mistake. It may not be what you wanted, but you learn something from it. And so you mentioned the word curiosity. I think that's kind of where it all starts, right? It's going back to when you were seven years old and you approached everything in your life with curiosity, right? Or maybe earlier than that for some folks, right? But as a kid, I heard a long time ago, Zach, somebody said, uh, or I read somewhere that human beings learn more between birth and the age of five than they learn the entire rest of their lives. And if you've, I mean, you have kids, right? If you think about all these things that your kids learn when they're born and even things like walking, but holding something in their hands and feeding themselves and just all of these amazing things that we take for granted, how do they learn how to do them? trial and error, but we don't chastise them, right? You don't chastise a baby that's learning how to walk by saying, well, you fell down, shame on you. No, you're like, Hey, pick yourself up, try again. That's awesome. Right. You get excited. You do that. I'm holding my two fingers up, right? The universal sign for helping a baby walk their hands, grab your fingers. That's I think the same thing, but it's, you're not afraid to be vulnerable with a baby because babies don't judge. And so we don't want to be judged. So I think that's kind of where it comes from.
1: That right or wrong, that is a judgment in a way because one is good, one is bad. You know, we're labeling. Yeah. And whenever we label, whenever we judge something as good or bad, right or wrong, we limit so many possibilities. We cut ourselves off from all the other possibilities of what could be or other approaches because there's multiple rights. There's multiple right ways to do something. But when we see it as one right, one wrong, Usually we're the one right and they're the one wrong, right? And it really limits us as leaders. It limits our creativity. It's harder to see possibilities. And now we've created this container. It's very constricting for everybody to live within. And then on the flip side, there is this innate fear of being wrong. Like that's the last thing. I don't want to be wrong. I want to be right, you know? And what came to mind when you shared that, I'm sure you've heard of this book, Carol Dweck, Mindset where she talks about the difference between a growth and a fixed mindset. Mm-hmm. And she asked a question in that book. I'm paraphrasing. I may not get it completely right, but she basically asked, if I were to give you two choices, which would you choose? Would you choose a life of constant success and validation or a life of struggle and challenge? And initially I'm like, well, I would like the success and validation, but if that's what you're after, you crave being right so much to your detriment. You can never go out and play and truly grow because you're putting being right ahead of being you and letting you learn and grow. Like growth is all about putting yourself at the bottom of another mountain, making mistakes, not getting the outcomes you really were after, adjusting and going again. And that's uncomfortable. And I think that's the vulnerability. you Opening yourself up to that experience It's uncomfortable, but it's where all the magic is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as you were talking, you got me thinking. So my wife, Rachel, one day we were having a conversation when we worked together and she said, what if there was no right or wrong? What if there just was? And I remember saying, you have to have right and wrong. She said, but what if you didn't? What If you didn't have right or wrong, what if there just was? And I think... You know, I want to encourage people to think about that. What if in your business, in your life, if there was no right or wrong? Is this just a judgment based on what somebody at some point wanted? And they said, OK, this is right and this is wrong. And so that's where, you know, you have people today. I mean, look at our political landscape, right? You have one group of people that say this is right and another group of people that say this is right. Well, which one's right? If you got rid of the right and wrong and just said, OK, this is one thing, this is another thing. And so I think it takes a lot of that judgment away. And I think you're absolutely right. The judgment kills our ability
1: to be vulnerable. Yeah. You know, and something really practical that I think our listeners could benefit from is be mindful, be aware. So just the other day, I was talking to a client and there was this reaction that they received. They read an email from an employee and there was a sentence in that email that didn't sit well with them. And there was a judgment. Like there was this story of how dare they say something like that. They shouldn't have said that to me. That was wrong. You know, there's a judgment and the conversation went on and where they ended up is the question was asked to them. Like, what if you were to just read that sentence and think to yourself, that's interesting. Wonder what they meant by that. Huh? That's different. Never thought of it that way. Notice there's no judgment there and it keeps us open to staying curious. And instead of being defensive, we actually lean in because we're curious like, huh, I really actually am wondering what that person meant by that sentence. And we go find our answers and now we can connect and we can have clarity and we can move forward in a new powerful way. So we'll put a pin in that just judgment, this right or wrong really limits us as leaders in our abilities to connect, create cultures of engagement and be vulnerable. Yeah. And, you know,
0: I often said, what's the opposite of judgment, right? And people say things like openness and compassion and empathy. And typically somebody in the audience will say, you know, what's the opposite of being judgmental, -judgmental?" non-judgmental? I believe the opposite of being judgmental is being curious, right? Which is exactly what you were talking about. So that curiosity mindset That's what we need to have to be effective leaders. That's what we need to be able to to help people grow. You know, that's what people want is they want a world where they feel connected, where they feel like they matter. And you can't do that if you're being judged all the time.
1: Yeah. And there's a direct correlation between a lack of judgment and being present and self-aware. If you're judgmental, if you're in that judgmental mindset, you know, kind of creating a story around a situation, a story that would say it's good or it's bad. You're really not in the moment experiencing what is, you said that really well. It's like, what if there was no good or bad? What if it just was, you know? And that's powerful because that allows us then to just, we get to decide, you know, is that what I want or not? Is that behavior what I want or not? Or is this the way I want to be or not? It doesn't need to be good or bad. It just is either what you want or not. And then you get to decide, well, what would I be doing differently if I were to be more in alignment with who I want to be or how can I get a need met through communicating clearly to that other person? And it takes the judgment out of it makes everything so much easier.
0: Yeah. And I think what you're talking about now to Zach is being intentional. Yes. And I think so much of, you know, we get in a leadership position and I think one of the main values in business today is busyness. And that's not necessarily a positive value, But you hear people all the time talk about how busy they are. I have so many things to do, right? I just don't have time to add one more thing to my to-do list. I don't think I can get everything done, right? Oh, I work nights. I work weekends. And so they kind of brag about that. But if you're focusing on how busy you are, you're not being intentional and saying, okay, what things matter, which is exactly what you were talking about. uh, uh, There's an author, Greg McCowan. And he wrote a book called Essentialism, right, which I read a couple of years ago. And in it, he talks about what if you just do the things that matter? And I thought, wow, what a great thought. But just asking yourself, am I being intentional with what I'm doing with my time, what I'm doing with my energy, what I'm doing with my people? Am I intentional about who I work with? Rachel and I are having conversations as we get ready for 2022, you know, what? customers, what clients do we want to work with moving forward? How can we be intentional about that? And so really stopping and thinking about, okay, what customers do I enjoy that I want to hang around? What customers, and we're aligned with them. Let's be intentional. Let's go find those people. Let's go find more of those people. Same thing with hiring people, right? All these people have left the workforce. Well, okay, there's still a lot of people here, but I think sometimes we get really busy. And so it's like, well, I just need a body to you know fill in. Well, now that's where the trouble starts, right? And because that other person's probably saying, I just need a job because I got bills to pay. Whereas if you're intentional and you say, man, I would really like to find somebody, I think that this is important. I want to find somebody that shares that value of what's important. Because now we're aligned. Now we both have that same, hey, this is important. That's gonna create a lot more alignment. And it's going to make everything better from the beginning. So I think being intentional is hugely important today as well.
1: It is. And I mean, if you're listening to this, what would be different if you were more intentional about creating more of what you wanted in your life and your business? I love that. That's creativity at its best. Creativity, meaning we are at the cause, not at the effect of life. We get to choose. We can choose to be at the cause. And that's when we start to tell ourselves stories around, It's just the world we live in, you know, can't find good people. I just better take what I can get, you know, and, and we come from a place of we're at the effect of the situation. But if you're intentional, you're automatically coming from a place of the cause because you have to start from the inside out. What do I want here? What would really serve me and my business and my team the most? What would my next step be in creating that? It's so powerful. That's intention in my mind. Are we on the same page? Would you add anything to that, Frank?
0: I have a good friend of mine who started getting into coaching and speaking a couple of years ago, and I think he found some success and stuff. And we were talking recently, and he just kind of had this aha of, you know, this is what I really, I love it when people's eyes light up and I can really help. You know, I want to be able to help small business owners, primarily women who are really starting to build a team around that. And his eyes lit up as he talked about it right? And I just saw this glow in his face and his eyes lit up. Well, think about if you had that kind of energy every day, because he's making changes in his business to go do what he loves to do. And I think sometimes we lose track of that, right? And it's that busyness piece again. It's like, oh my gosh, I did X amount of dollars in volume last year. I got to increase that. I produced X amount of widgets last year. I got to increase that. Well, what if you said... Man, I had this much fun. I'd like to have that much fun this year. Or maybe I'd like to have more fun this year.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know who i have been talking about, right? Yeah. You might be talking about myself a little bit. Right. I'll get real because it's so easy to fall into, I'll call it a trap of trying to get there, getting kind of attached to the outcome in your business and your life. I'm trying to get there. I want this type of income or I want this type of team or I want to be in this business, not that business and we try to get there. And I'm reading a really great book. It's by Stephen Cope. I'm glancing at at my bookshelf. The Great Work of Your Life. The Great Work of Your Life. And in this book, he draws some stories from the, I'm going to botch this, the Bhagavad Gita. It's an old Eastern text, a story, and it's all about finding your true calling in life. And you know, Dan Sullivan calls it your unique ability, Gay Hendricks calls it your zone of genius, but it's that thing that just lights you up. You love to do it, you're great at it. It almost feels effortless. And what I am learning personally, because you brought this up, Frank, because we've had some conversations about this at some coffee shops a couple months ago, and What I am learning is the more that you can get attached to that calling, that unique ability, that zone of genius, that thing that really lights you up and just move in that direction, just do what serves that, what lights you up. The dream starts to follow you. The vision, the achievement, it's a byproduct. Like I'm no longer trying to get there. I'm coming from a place of being, if you will, being who I desire to be living my values, expressing my gifts. You know, first of all, I had to admit that I do have some because that was hard, right? Who am I? I'm supposed to be humble. I'm just lucky to be here, right? I'm just lucky to be here. But acknowledging that we all have gifts, you have gifts, no question. And I have gifts and everybody that's listening has gifts and being able to acknowledge what those are and give them freely great things are going to come into your life. If you live from that place, you just, how could you not, how could it not happen? If you trust that what's innate in you and express it fully. So I kind of maybe went on a tangent there, but you just made me think about something that I'm really exploring a lot right now. And it's really resonating with me.
0: Yeah. And I call it your freakness, right? I wrote a book in 2009 called embrace your freakness. And I see it a little bit differently. And I love Gay Hendricks. He's one of my favorite authors and I love Dan Sullivan too. But I think your freakness is, yeah, for some people, there's like that one thing you need to do. But like I was talking with a a friend of mine who's also a client last year in, in 2021, and he talked about, he said, why did you buy this company? And why are you running this company? You know, they make polymers, right? Plastics and stuff. And he's like, you know, I didn't grow up thinking, man, I want to be in the plastic business but he said, it really gets my juices moving to know that I can help people live a better life, more fulfilling life. And he said, I get to do that by making plastic, right? I get to do that for my employees. I get to do that for our customers. So he said, making plastic, that's just the vehicle. But what we actually do is we help improve the quality of people's lives, right? And so your freakness is, If you can find and create a life where you get to live your values and you get to do something, I call it your driving force inside of you, there's something that says, this is what I was meant to do, right? Man, if you can do something like that guy did, right, he gets to help people improve the quality of their life. That was his driving force. He got to do it with his own values. So here he is living a life of values. And he said, it doesn't really matter specifically what I do. Because that's just the vehicle. But he said, the fact that I get to help all these people, that's what's important to him. So I think sometimes we get caught up in the, oh, well, I'm supposed to be, you know, an author, or I'm supposed to be a bull writer, or, you know, whatever it is. But I think, like, and I see that in your journey right now, too, and you're kind of discovering, oh, man, if I could help people to be more fulfilled in their journey, oh, that would be awesome. Well, what if you do that and working with groups of people? Oh, man, yeah, that would be it, right? So I think it's like another level deep. So I want to encourage people to think about why are you doing what you do? And does it allow you to do something perhaps more meaningful? The other thing, and I'll just throw this in there. You have a lot of friends now that are part of the Great Resignation and I know that's what it's being called. I don't know that I particularly care for that term because there's a lot of people that are my age that are you know, hitting 60 or a little older and they're like, I'm not gonna put up with this anymore. I don't need it, right? But for a long time, we've known that when people hit their 50s, early 60s, they call it the second half of life, right? And so they, like, they get to retirement age and they retire and then they're like, I wanna do something meaningful with my life. And well, why wait until you're in your 50s or 60s? Why not think about that
1: now? Yes, I'm so glad you went there. It's sad. That's not a judgmental statement. I feel sadness when it's not until we're 60 years old before we start thinking about what we really want to do with the rest of our lives. Why has it been socially acceptable that we don't start asking that question until we're close to retirement? Like, what would be different if in our 20s and our 30s, we actually started committing ourselves to going in that direction. And I feel very grateful to have met so many mentors and coaches that have asked me those questions that have started me down the path so much earlier than I think I otherwise would have. And I'm so thankful for that because it wasn't until I started asking those deeper questions, what really lights me up? What do I find meaning in versus what is the world telling me I should be? Yeah. And
0: you even said the word retirement that just slays me, right? It's like, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they're 25, I think she was, and she was talking about, I want to retire early. I'm like, why do you want to retire early? Well, because then I want to be able to go do what I want to do. I'm like, well, why don't you go do what you want to do now? Right? And so I think there's this big facade of work, do your job until you can retire, and then you can really live life. There was a book called The 4-Hour Workweek, and the whole concept was... You know, take vacations now, right? Don't wait until you're old to have a retirement. Take time during your life and live it. Don't wait till the end, which is exactly what you were talking about. So, you know, if you love what you do, like people have asked me, so when are you going to retire? Never. I love what I do. Why would I stop doing it? Now, when I physically can't do it or I want to go do something else, then I'll go do something else. But, you know, find something that you love to do that you could do that energizes you, right? And that's a lot of what Gay Hendricks talked about in The Big Leap. It's go find something that's your zone of genius that energizes you. Marcus Buckingham talked about it, right? And find things that energize you. Go do that because then you don't have to worry about retirement. Then you don't have to worry about motivating people. If your people do things they love to do 80% of the time, is Marcus Buckingham's number, then guess what? Now they don't want to leave it. Now it's not a job. Now it's a way of life. And now you don't
1: have to worry about all this other
0: stuff that people worry about.
1: Yes. There's my soapbox. Well, I'm getting fired up too, because it's a topic that's really personal to me. And I come in contact with people wrestling with this too. Like, well, what I was like, what am I meant to do? Or what is my calling? What is my zone of genius, my unique ability? And what is my purpose on this place, on this planet? You know? And That's why I'm calling this podcast the Create Purpose podcast, because I don't believe the purpose is something you go out and find or even it's not out there. Your purpose is not out there. It's within and it's waiting to be created. It's in your beingness. You can start creating your purpose wherever you are. You might not be in your dream job or you might be running a business right now that doesn't light you up. But everything can change when you start to change who you're being. And instead of trying to live your life, trying to prove yourself or try to live up to other people's expectations, instead of you commit to expressing your own values and what's meaningful to you in whatever work you're doing, things just start to change. You attract more of what serves you into your life. It doesn't happen overnight, but the journey gets a lot more effortless almost immediately. But over time, all of a sudden, just things start to line up. You get a lot more alignment in your life because you're staying true to who you are. Everything else kind of starts to fall in place. And so you create it. It's an action. It's a doing. You. It's not a destination. It's not a destination. You start exactly where you're at and you create it every step of the way.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think it is inside. I would use a different word than create. The word I've learned to use is discover. Right. I want to discover my purpose because I think we're born with it. And but I think most people don't take that time. You talked about being present. Right. We don't take the time to be still and go, okay, why am I doing this? What's important to me? What brings me joy? What brings me happiness? Right. And we don't take the time to stop and think about, oh, man, I'm miserable. Why am I miserable? Right. And just sit in that for a minute. But it's all about discovery, which goes back to curiosity, right? Which goes back to not being judgmental, which goes back to vulnerability. So it's all kind of tied together, right? But the moment you start thinking about, hey, I want to discover stuff, because it's a lot more fun to discover than it is to fix. And so like, people are like, well, I love fixing old cars. Okay, well, what do you love about fixing them? Because I like figuring out what's broken and how to fix it, right? And so it's like... I love figuring it out. Well, that's discovery. So I think that's, let's discover what's inside. And that goes back to, when we were talking about getting to know our employees and our customers with curiosity, I want to discover what makes my people tick. I want to discover what's important to them. I met Zig Ziglar many years ago. And I said, what are the keys to success in life? And he said two things. Number one, enthusiasm right? Enthusiasm is the mustard to life. It just adds a little bit of flavor to everything. And he said, the other thing is you can get anything you want in life by helping other people get what they want. And I absolutely believe that that's true. And I think that's what leadership is, right? Hey, I want to help Zach get what he wants. When I do that, then he's going to be able to help me even more.
1: Yeah. It takes being vulnerable with ourselves to open that discovery process. Like. We have to be willing to look inwardly, non-judgmentally. So what happens oftentimes is we feel anxiety. We feel overwhelmed. There's something off about us. What's the question that we ask ourselves often? Well, What's wrong? What's wrong? So we go looking for what's wrong. Oh, it's my job. Oh, it's my marriage. Oh, it's her or him. And we go looking for what's wrong instead of staying objective. That's interesting that I'm feeling anxious right now. What is it that's leading me to feel anxious? What is the event going on in my life? And what about that's not working for me? What would be different if it were to work for me? What would I want to change? How could I get my needs met? It keeps us in a spot where we're in power and we can go create more of what we want. And that's discovery. It takes courage. It takes being able to sit with that discomfort. That's vulnerability, isn't it? Meeting yourself where you're at, this full circle, like meeting yourself where you're at. You know, Daniel Goldman says... It starts with self-awareness and the more you can become aware with these things in yourself, you automatically start to see them in other people and you're going to show up less judgmentally and you're going to be more curious about, hmm, wonder what they need that they're not getting. Maybe I'll ask them, what do you feel like you need right now that you're not getting? And oh, it's, it's magic. Now we're connecting and we're moving and we have clarity and we can commit together as a team and do great things together. So anyway, now I'm on my soapbox, but this has been a fun conversation so far, Frank. I want to ask you a few just quick fire questions. I love to read. I can tell you do too. And I already have too many books, more than I can probably read in a lifetime. But what book, podcast, or person is inspiring you right now and why?
0: Before I answer that, I know you love to read. And if people could see the background behind Zach, he's got all kinds of bookshelves but he's only got like three different books because he's got like 50 copies of the same book. So I would encourage you to maybe get more than three. I'm just kidding. But you do have a lot of copies of traction, which is a great book.
1: I give that book away a lot. Okay. You, what you can't see is all the other books that are around me.
0: So there's a book I'm reading right now. It's a marketing book by Mike McCallowitz. I don't even know how you say his last name.
1: Yeah, I think you said it right.
0: Yeah. He wrote Profit First and, and I think like The Carrot Principle or something like that. He's written several best selling books, but this one's called Get Different and it's a marketing book, but it talks really a lot about some of what we're talking about. So his whole philosophy on marketing is, well, what if you went to figure out like, who's your favorite customer? Right. And that's another thing. We're not supposed to have favorites. Well, we're humans. We have favorites, right? So what if you go find your favorite three or four customers? What if you could have more customers like them? Like, What do you love about them? Why are they your favorites? What if you go find more people like them? How awesome would your life be? But what if you had the same thing with employees, right? You say, man, I love that Zach. Well, what do you love about him? He's an independent thinker and he's always figuring out what's next. Okay, well, what if you go find more people like that, right? And so let's embrace people for who they are. But that really got me thinking about, oh man, you know, I've got some clients that aren't nearly as enjoyable for me. They're not nearly as energizing as other ones. What if I could go find 10 more like my favorite ones that energize me, that I'm aligned with? And it's just such a simple concept, right? That's what we're really talking about with everything is, you know, we're not meant to get along with everybody. Just
1: find your tribe. Yeah. and. You know, on that note, I'm just thinking through the lens of maybe some of the listeners who might have like a product-based business, not service-based. And the question you just asked still applies. What type of customers do I want to have buying my product? And that will determine your price point, that will determine, you know, the level that you show up as, like because if you're at one price point, you're going to attract a certain type of client versus a different price point or quality product. So it still applies. It's still all about just what type of business do I want to have? What would light me up? Now we're back to that question. And who would those types of people oftentimes are very similar to us. They're just kind of funny how that works. And so there's also that internal, like, what would I want and start to create that. And so that book is called Get Different, correct? Get Different Marketing. Yep. Yeah. So the next question I had is just around we're recording this podcast literally the day before New Year's Eve the 2021's about to end so we've got a year ahead of us talk to me about what is your new year planning process like what are you doing this time of year to get yourself ready for the next year
0: So this is my favorite week of the year because for me there's no expectations that I have to get anything done and I'm not very good about relaxing a lot of times. So we're doing this podcast on New Year's Eve, Eve. This is the only thing I have set for today. I don't have anything set for tomorrow. My son and I were doing some stuff around the house outside, just finally got cold, but we're going to do some stuff outside together. And so I think for me, it's really just a time to reflect, Hey, what went well this year, but really just to, as we've talked about to be in the moment, right? And just to enjoy doing nothing. Enjoy spending time with my family. We went to a movie the other night as a family. We went to dinner last night. But I think it's just taking the time to not have to do something. And then Rachel and I will sit down and put together our plans. We did it last week and then we'll look at it again after the first. What are the things that we want to accomplish next year as a family But also, we look at our family values. Like, what, you know, that's kind of a term I think George Bush Sr. came up with, like family values. But, like, what are the values that our family has? What were they in 2021? Do we want to adjust them for 2022? Because I think your values are always changing. What's important to us? And so, the same things that we're talking about with businesses, we talk about with our family. How do we pay more attention to our children? How do we let them feel seen and heard? Right? Because they can't resign right but how do we make it so that our children feel acknowledged they feel loved or they feel seen and heard because we've got one teenager got another one who's a preteen and then we have a nine-year-old so i think just as these kids become older and become more of themselves it's like how do we get to know them more right they're changing them all the time who they are now is not who they were even a year ago so i think it's just embracing the moment thinking about the future, but kind of point that you said, this week for me is all about
1: being in the moment. Yeah. It's interesting. I often ask myself this time of year, I kind of get myself in this state of just presence and in the moment, like you said, and there's just some peace and there's a lot of joy this time of year. And I often ask myself, how do I build this into my year? And so many of the people that are going to be listening to this, we're going to be well into the year. January will be behind us. It might be February by the time you're listening to this or even in the middle of the year. And so this isn't a once a year thing. And I'm telling myself that like this can't be a New Year's time for me to be in the moment. This needs to be built in. I would imagine you wrestle with that too, because I know enough about you. You're driven, you're a builder, and it's easy to get so caught up in that, that You lose the moment. You lose those moments of joy that often arise during the holidays. What do you do to keep yourself in the moment throughout the year? Build that in, if you will.
0: Oh, gosh. I think just making the effort to be in the moment from time to time, to be more self-aware and to think about what's important. You know, one of the things that's really important to me is to always improve the relationship with my wife. And the only way to do that is by being more aware of what's important to her and being aware of what's important to me and being able to share that with her. Right. And so just taking time every day to think, okay, what gratitude do I have today? We have an exercise that we do from time to time. We'll get out a whiteboard. You can get them at Lowe's or Home Depot. They're like 10 or 15 bucks. It's like three by four. It's just a white sheet, and we just write on it at the dinner table with dry erase markers. Our gratitude board. What are we grateful for? But I think just that, you know, every day, just to think, okay, what am I grateful for today? What am I grateful for that I want more of? Right. I'm grateful for this time that I have with you and I want more of that. And so it's kind of putting that out to the universe, right? The law of attraction. This is what I appreciate. This is what I want more of. So I think just kind of having that mindset is I started doing that a couple of years ago. And what you think of, you attract to you. And it's a universal principle. And so just being more aware of, okay, what am I
1: thinking about? What do I want to attract? You know, what you just shared it, everything goes back to vulnerability. What you just shared to share what you're grateful for with somebody takes vulnerability, but to ask them what they're grateful for, you're now inviting them to be vulnerable. And what a way to strengthen a marriage a relationship or meet your team where they're at, you know, those are the questions. And You're in the moment when you're asking those questions, aren't you? Like, and you're experiencing joy you're connecting. Yeah. And those are such simple things. They're so simple, but they make all the difference. You know, if I could share one, this is back when I was working 70 hours a week, executive leader, and I'd come home to a young family. And one of the things that I started doing before I walked in the door is I set my intention. So back to intentions. I set my intentions knowing that I'm about ready to walk through this door to a crying kid, a mess. I don't know. I've had a long day. I am tired. So I can choose to be at the effect of everything, or I can choose to be at the cause and set an intention. What is my intention? How do I want to feel as I walk in this door? How do I want to connect with my wife as she's, you know, getting dinner ready? And it just, it caused me to put myself back in power And it put me in the moment. Anyway, that's a practice, you know, gratitude, setting intentions. We could talk forever. I noticed the time and I want to be respectful of that for you, Frank. What's 2022? What's the big goal you're working on? What are you building?
0: I still have a day to figure that out, right? But I think really next year, my goal is to bring more of me to the world and figuring out exactly how I want to do that. But I want to grow. And I think that's the best way to say it. I want to bring more of myself to the world and figure
1: out how to do that. And that takes vulnerability, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it takes vulnerability. How about you? You know, there's a lot of that. That calling, that inner work that I've been exploring this year, I want to fully lean into my unique ability, what really lights me up. And that is me fully expressing who I am. And what I've learned in all of that is there's this thing called resistance. Stephen Pressfield, I don't know if you've read his books, Art of War, introduces this character of resistance. We have this whisper inside of all of us that's saying, what does expressing more of us look like? We kind of innately know, but it takes a lot of courage. It takes getting vulnerable. And there's that voice of resistance that's trying to keep you small, keep you safe. And What I'm doing next year, I'm going to put it simply, is I'm going to put my nose up against that resistance and I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to keep putting myself at the bottom of another mountain because one of my values is growth. And I know that's when life takes on a whole new meaning, when I feel like I have that no other choice but to adapt and to grow. And so I'm going to invite that into my life this year. And that means making hard decisions maybe having to make a choice and going from good to great and letting go of what's good so that I can grab onto what I know will be great eventually. That's scary. There's a part of me right now that wish I had another week or two before I had to start living into that, but that is where 2022 is going to lead for me. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. What do you need to let go of that's good so you can grab
0: onto what's free? I love that. Thank you for sharing.
1: Yeah. Well, Frank, thanks for coming on the podcast. This has been a lot of fun. It has. Time has flown by. Let's do it again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, here's to a great year and we'll talk soon. Sounds good, Zach. Thanks. So there you have it. Hopefully you really enjoyed this podcast episode. And my hope is you found it really inspirational. And also, most importantly, I hope you took away some practical things that you can start to do and apply in your own life. So finally, I have one small favor to ask of you before you go. Wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Apple Music or Spotify, if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Love to hear your thoughts. Come find us on social media. Share it on social media. It just really helps us get the word out helps us grow our audience. So please do that. Thanks to my team, Ashley Bolden, who handles all the admin and Chris Skipper, who handles all the music and editing of this podcast. For more information on the Create Purpose podcast, you can go to www.createpurpose.net. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Zach.Arendt. Please drop me a comment, reach out, drop me a DM. I'd love to hear from you and love to hear what you're taking away from these conversations. What would you like to hear more of? Do you have any guests that you would love to see come on the show? And I'm always looking for great people to talk to, people with great stories that can inspire you. And so if you know of anybody, send them my way. Love to hear from you. I'm your host, Zach Aaron, and I'll see you in the next episode of the Create Purpose podcast. Bye for now.